Welcome to BitStorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me, as always, is Ben Slinger. Hello. I'm wow, your voice sounds very sexy tonight, Ben. <laughs> is that a foreboding, like... I have been that foretelling. That's foretelling of what the games are going to be about tonight. I've been possessed by the demon of game development. Or the lurgy that is known as... (laughs) The common cold. Yes, I'm getting over a cold, so I apologise for uh, for my voice tonight, but uh, we shall get through it and I can do many a voice down here. That sounds awesome. So... Why don't you tell our wonderful listeners what we are going to play first? We're going to play. No, I like it. <laughs> uh, we're going to play Click Pitch, and this is a game where we each have a random word generator in front of us. And on the count of three to one click, we're each going to get a phrase. So we're actually playing what we call ramped up click pitch. We will get two words each, uh, an adjective and a noun. And uh, we're going to throw those words together, make a game design, and uh, hopefully it's going to be fun. Hopefully some cool stuff will come out of it. It usually does. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we'll throw it away. We'll do it again as many times as we feel like. Okay. Let's do it. Three to one click. Perpetual defeated. Concise paint. Ooh. Is this a roguelike where you're continually going through and painting a dungeon? Oh. <clears throat> so kind of like- a mix between the blob and Hades. <laughs> Hades. <laughs> sure. Since I know that that's what you've been playing this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Painting a dungeon. So I do like the idea that you've got particular moves then that spread paint in different ways. Yeah. And it's, it's basically like little, little missions against like, um, little blobs that are trying to paint, paint some of the dungeon you're going through trying to paint the majority of it and, and. Uh, while defeating them, and then you move mm-hmm. into the next the next room, and so are you picturing this as like a top down three quarterish view, like Hades, or a side scroll, or either either the the view from Hades, or sort of like a um, a top down Binding of Isaac sort of view. I think that could yeah that could okay. work quite well. I still reckon everything in three D because there's just something about like characters in three D that look good. Yeah, yeah. So top down three D. And how do you then, so if you kill something, does it explode in paint or do your weapons do paint? Or I guess it depends on what pickups you've had. Yeah. Like may- maybe you, you're kind of like a, a balloon that's full of paint that has like a couple little punctures in it that you're sort of bouncing around and, and gradually getting smaller <laughs> and you've got to like refill with, with paint as you go. Oh, refill the paint. That could be interesting. Yeah, I well, because I'm just picturing how some of those like synergies in a rogue like could go, where you know maybe initially you've just got a, a particular move that sort of blasts paint in a circle out around you, and you recharge it by attacking enemies, right? And so yep. enemies keep coming until you clear a room by essentially painting enough of it. But the items that you then pick up might be things like okay, now when you like slash with your weapon, it does a splat of paint or you know, when you do a when you throw your grenade type thing, you know, you've got like now a paint grenade-ish sort of thing. Yep. Or when you kill an enemy, they explode in paint. You know, or you, now your paint does damage or- I kind of like the idea of a push and pull sort of thing that the enemies, if when you're defeating enemies, you're basically sucking paint out of them. And when they're attacking you, they're kind of, they're leeching paint out of you to, to recharge a little bit. So, are they- are they taking away some of the paint you're putting down on the level? I think there? they can as well. Yeah. That might be particular movesets as well. Yeah. But the idea of, you know, your health is your paint, but it's also what you need to defeat each, each room. So you right. get re- refilled every time that you leave a, leave a room, but you can get to the point where you're, where you're really, really quite low on health slash paint. Well, I think maybe you find, I don't know that every, if you've, if you come into every room fresh, then that's, I mean, I guess that's a valid kind of thing because the rooms will just keep getting harder. But um, you kind of also other- like the idea of of the occasional room that you get that you can refill the paint and all that sort well, of then stuff. That's it. Other yeah. than that, or- it's just defeat enemies and and be good at it. Yeah, and again, like particular items or particular moves that you end up with that that might let you regain certain amounts of paint, right? Yeah. You know, or or, or add multipliers to how much you get per enemy or you know, different things like that. I do like that as an added mechanic on a traditional sort of slash 'em up roguelike, though. 
I don't think you have to go through every single room filling every single room full of paint. It's just the rewards that you get at the end are based off of you went through, you know, X number of rooms and you painted, you know, this this yeah, percentage. Like you painted 86% of this level of the dungeon and you get, yeah, you get a certain amount of yeah, XP you've got- or whatever for that. Yeah, uh, but but then you know you also took nineteen minutes to do you know five different rooms. <laughs> yeah, well, and just like a lot of roguelikes, you there's risk and reward from uh, exploring because yeah. you might find a room where someone drops a new item or a new you know multiplier or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Okay, graphical style. Well, with the paint stuff, it definitely needs to be fairly sort of. Simple, like, cartoonish shaders in some way, I think. So, you're thinking cell shading? Probably some sort of cell shading or just, yeah, like- Very flat. Simple flat shading, because for the paint to- For it to be obvious where you've painted and for the and for your character to sort of pop out against the paint and stuff, you want it to- You don't want it to be too, like, overly realistic. What is- What are the characters? What is the story here? Why are you painting this dungeon? Are you an interior dungeon decorator? Um- I think you've just taken over this piece of land, um, and you and you found on it that there was a there was a dungeon on it, <laughs> and um, I, I mean I'm just I'm just shooting from the hip here. I've got That's no fine. idea as to what it could be. You have a go. <laughs> All right, here is this a reality TV show where you are like renoing this dungeon? <laughs> so you're essentially combination. Clearing it out of all the monsters that have infested it. Slash and- smash TV. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Like, uh, and and also you're on, like, HGTV, <laughs> uh, Home Renovation Network, as the, you know, this season's hero, you know, gar- character, this season's person who is renovating their place and getting followed through. And so, at the end of every- Okay. There's, like, I- an interview segment with the host. Yep. I love that idea, but- I want this entire world to be on an alien world where it's all paint based. Like, so your character is literally a a container of paint. Because <laughs> it's paint. a de blob style thing, you know. I mean, we, I guess so, yeah. That, that's um, what I've got in my mind. So, I love the idea of a TV show and having the interview with the host in between each one. And, and effectively then, every character that goes through can just be the next contestant. Like, well, it doesn't have to be the same character sort of thing. Instead of them all being paint-related, can they all just be, like, interior design-related? So, maybe the host is, like, some wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> or a vase or something. <laughs> a chandelier. Um, no, I like that I like that each run is another contestant. Um, it's kind of in a way of Rogue Legacy where you're, like, building off. The whole thing is, you know, they're your descendants. What I like about that is it'd be cool to have layers of the previous run. So like, <laughs> kind of you, haphazardly covered up. <laughs> well, yeah, or just like it's just it's gone dirty and filthy again, but you can still see the sections that are like slightly lighter or something because that's where you painted uh, in the previous run. Um, that could be kind of neat. Okay. And so you're just a paint-based being. And so do we unlock other characters that instead of doing paint, then they do wallpaper or like- <laughs> Put down furniture. Um, They've got different techniques for how they clear a room. Carpeting. Paint will just make things so much easier. And if we were doing it in the game jam, it'd be like, yeah, we're definitely just doing doing the paint and basic basic mechanics and making sure it's fun. I'm more trying to think of, you know, the depths we could take it, of course. Uh, are we are we doing are they somewhat traditional style dungeons then or is this pa- is this planet like are there dungeons just badly designed rooms or something because they're essentially an interior design planet? <laughs> well, I mean, you you could start off in a house like the the first level of this dungeon is you know you're going through the house and you and you're literally splashing paint everywhere and yeah th- then you break through into into like the basement the basement and then it just goes like deeper and deeper and it deeper just keeps going. Uh, what's the final boss um, to finish a run? I think it's actually like maybe the host of the game or themselves. Yeah, like or it's like it's it's the seller. It's like it's the buyer. It's like trying to sell your house now. Yeah, <laughs> that you've um, just uh, renovated. Because what I'm sort of thinking is that in this world, paint beings are being used for the entertainment of all the um all the wallpaper beings. So it's. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll, we'll make you like consume yourselves for our pleasure. Whereas, yep. like, wallpaper is out of style, so we're not going to. We're just going to watch. Mm. And for, then- all the, for all of our wallpaper brethren who have been painted over haphazardly. <laughs> and, you know, so I'm, I'm imagining that the, the final sort of boss is, is the wallpaper throwing out glue and all this sort of stuff and, and you know, yeah. trying to trying to stick <laughs> yeah. the paint the paint um, blob guy down. Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't expect you to make it this far, and so now they're angry. Like, they can't let you actually win this game, win this yep. TV show, and uh, be a, a, you know, rising star for your paints, people. Goal, three to one click. <laughs> Fascist aardvark. <laughs> Infantile encouragement. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it's a baby aardvark. You know, sort of encouraging its father to be a fascist. <laughs> well, all, either that or it's a it's a very transparent like Trump parody, and because he just has to be treated like a baby because he is a baby. Um, this aardvark takes control of the animal kingdom at the time of this release. Let's just work out when this is actually being released. Oh, that's true. It might be past inauguration. I think no, it's, it's tw- not. When is is uh, it's the eleventh that we're that we're releasing this episode? Okay. So, as of so the count, <laughs> like there's nine days left of this presidency of Trump. Mm-hmm. We're hoping that like everything went through fine on the on the sixth of January. This has been recorded in 2020, not 2021. Yes. So, crossing our fingers that everything went well. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Fascist aardvark. All right. All right. Well, let's let's take aardvark. What is it about an aardvark that could really like make it a powerful leader? It's got it's- two A's, so it's right at the start of the dictionary. Right. That's why it's so self-important. Yeah. Because uh, like I'm always first. Nothing can ever get in front of me until there's like a not even Aaron. <laughs> not he just even- hates just hates not Aaron, Aaron because <laughs> Aaron's after me. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love that that status power of you know I'm I'm the best because first I'm at the, the I'm, I'm the first in the dictionary. <laughs> now, until some until something comes along, it's like, well, I'm going to start calling myself. I'm an aardvark, but without the R, just an aardvark. <laughs> so I come first. Um, <clears throat> Antifa. <laughs> 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 okay. Um so it looks like yes, Aardvark is the first word in the dictionary, which is good. It's exactly what I want to see. <laughs> so that actually works and it in shall reality. Always be. It shall always be first in the dictionary. That's the chant that they <laughs> they brings among his followers. Make the dictionary great again. <laughs> Um, God, this is troubling. Um, three to one click. <laughs> I don't think we can make a game out of fascist hardmark, or at least I don't want to put in the effort that would mean thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> Disabling numbering. Meaningless seal. Now, I'm taking it- I think we should take it in the direction of, like, to seal an envelope, not- uh, 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 uh. Yeah. Because that's just mean to the seal. So, I see disabling numbering, and I'm kind of- I'm kind of thinking that- it's along the lines of math being outlawed. <laughs> okay. I was definitely going down like a, the, the, like a Da Vinci Code style thing because there's often like a seal that needs yeah. to be broken or something. Yeah. But okay. In a world. In a world. There we when, go. You've got your, when, <laughs> got your character for this, for in this game. In a world where maths has been outlawed, only one person can find the answer. Although they're not allowed to use the number one. <laughs> Only a Only person. a person can find the answer without counting ever again. <laughs> What's this word? One. Why does it sound so lonely? One is the loneliest number. <laughs> I'm just imagining the trailer now, and it's just like the, this- 
creepy o- overtones of of like this yes. world where <laughs> how fast are you going i'm going deep it's <laughs> this really sad creepy version of i'm halfway between d and e this is a this is a c speed zone <laughs> <laughs> they have to use letters for everything <laughs> They're coming after me. How many are they? I don't know. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> They're just such huge, vague. <laughs> there are vague some groupings. Some, some, some people. There's a few. <laughs> There's a person. <laughs> There's a person and another person. <laughs> okay, so what's what's the the thing that they're trying to unlock? I'm gathering it's math. Yeah. So so is this a situation where is this a world where there's never been numbers or math, or is this a situation where like some being or alien or demon or something is like taken away all mathematics and the memory I, of it from I the think race. it's it's an Illuminati sort of situation where the some, you know, secretive police force oh, sort of thing it's is like a nineteen eighty four thing. It's like if yeah. they can't count, then they can't figure out that there are more of them than us and they'll never revolt and rise up. Yeah. Um and, and I just, I think it's a pretty cool thing that you could actually then have, you know, someone break into, you know, sort of a, like a Leonardo da Vinci sort of, um, uh, you know, vault break break into his vault or something like that and find out, you know, all these strange symbols that, you know, they've never seen before. But of course, you as the, you as the viewer know that that's a number. And- Or do we obfuscate it? So only once the characters start understanding, do we like make it look like actual numbers? Yeah. And then it's all meaningless. They, oh, I guess that's meaningless is just that they come across it and they don't understand it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I know. I, I reckon there, there could be a pretty cool story. Are we really like setting ourselves up for some difficult puzzles where you essentially have to solve number problems without numbers? Yeah. You got, you got to be able to understand like the, their numbering system, which is all letters, you know, technically they're still, you so you're know. only able to count up to 26. That's the absolute maximum. Well. Or is it just a base 26 counting system? <laughs> <laughs> it could be. And then they find out that there's like another base that they can easily count in that. Because, yeah, that, I mean, that still counts as counting. Um, I guess it's how far do we go on this? Like, do these people, do these beings, have, has it got to the point where they seriously don't even understand the concept of, like, uh, like quantifying something? Well, imagine if you'd never been taught to count things. Like, you had to be taught at one stage that you didn't just intrinsically yeah. know that no. there was counting. And uh, that you had true, five things. But I, <laughs> true, but I think it comes down to, like, yes, if you didn't have, if you weren't taught the language for that, what would your brain do- like, would you still, even without being able to say, if I have five and take away two, I'd have three, would you still be able to understand that concept if you just looked at five and then looked at, like, if you- So, what we need to do is we need to- Taking two away. We need to get two kids. So, take two of your kids who don't know- <laughs> Well, I mean, I have twins, so we could do some tests on them. I'll stop <laughs> teaching one of them numbers now. <laughs> I mean, no, I think they're, I think they're too far. I think they're too far. So we need to choose the yeah. youngest one, and then you're just gonna you're gonna have to have another but, one. You're gonna have to have but, five. Well, that's it. No, that's not a good enough control. I'm just gonna have to have another set of twins. Fuck. <laughs> this game is getting expensive to make. The budget is gonna be really high. But it's gonna be fun to make. <laughs> but then there's I mean, nine months cooking in the oven. Twins. <laughs> Yeah, but technically you're not going to have to raise them because they're going to they're going to sort of be in in like test subjects. A, they're going to be in a control facility, and then we'll know what happens if you don't teach numbers. Man, triple what A happens? game development is just getting out of control. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <click. laughs> oh, hmm. In a world, <laughs> original drum, automated parameter. It's like a. That's just a mixing. That's just like a a uh, music thingy software. <laughs> you know what I mean? It automatically chooses the best drum beat. Um, no, I just mean in in like your digital audio workstation or whatever. You've got parameters that you can automate over time. You know. Mm, yeah. Um. Okay. 
So, I mean, when I saw original drum, I was like, okay, is this like a rock game? Is this like in the lore of rock and roll? In that okay, sort of so so it's set it's set in style. in the um like in an alternate history sort of thing, okay. kind of like a um oh shit, what was the what was that game by Double Fine? Oh, uh, Brutal Legend. Yeah, Brutal Legend. Yeah, uh, kind of like that, but it's it's all about the original drum. So it's um yeah okay the, yeah it's this like rock law historical kind of yeah yeah so the first person so Everything I'm I'm, a I'm drum. picturing. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the trailer. Everything's a drum. Everything's a drum. But it wasn't always that way. <laughs> okay, so I'm picturing that it's a drummer from the future that gets sent back in time because <laughs> yeah. Love it. Um, he's in the he's in the middle of a rock concert, and then all of a sudden his drums just go missing, and oh, every, everyone everyone else just looks at him and go, "What are you doing on, doing here on the stage? What are you doing here?" What are those in your hands? Because somehow he still has his drumsticks. He's got his drumsticks. So, he goes back in time. But they're just pieces of wood. They're not, like, shaped or anything. No, they're, they're not shaped. Sticks. They're just dowels, basically. Yeah. So, he uses them as, as like, weapons and shit in this game. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're essentially saying that someone has gone back and changed history and destroyed the original drum or, like, stolen yep. it. And for some reason, this one drummer- um, who, and this, this is where, like, this is the reason why he remembers everything because his ancestor is the first drummer. So cool. Yeah. And he was like in the middle of the most epic, epic drum, drum solo. solo. And so he was like connecting directly to his ancestors, yep. you know, spirit. Uh, and that's why, yeah, he's the one who can. Yeah. Who can so I'm this. loving this idea that he goes back and, you know, he's got these, these sort of, um, he can start tapping into these mystical powers. <laughs> tapping, yeah. Yeah. Tapping. <laughs> uh. I- I'm thinking, like, the further you go into the game, you start realising that the drum was inside you all along. And so, as he starts, you know, sort of- <laughs> He starts, like, playing drums on his on, on himself? No, he starts- No, he starts- He can start creating he, some things. Yeah. Um, air drums, basically. And that's enough to, to sort of- Bring forth the power and and beat down. I love I love combos based on like drum drum hits, patterns. You know, yeah, paradiddle. I don't know. I'm I'm just imagining um you know as as you're going through and and playing it and getting some of these cool combos that you see like in that comic book style of paradiddle sort of oh, come yeah, up totally. <laughs> because well, I think you get. I think you get, like, more points. Like, that's how you keep a combo going is by keeping a beat going as you attack them. Like, if you can keep a good run of paradiddles going, then you just multiply every time. Yeah. Then you got, you know, sort of um, maybe you first go in and you only know sort of stuff from the 4-4 beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Patterns. But then, you know, later on you can actually start flicking into, you know, 6-8 timing and, or even 7-8 or something, <laughs> something like so so crazy that- you know, it's well, sort of breaking you your mind. I think you essentially start unlocking new drums and cymbals from your kit as you go, from your air kit that you're yeah. using to attack these people, basically. So, initially, you just got, the like, the snare, um, and you're just like... Um, but then you, like, it's like, okay, you've leveled up, you've unlocked a, a, a crash... And so now you've now you can like now you can just deafen everyone just with a final crash on the yeah you get a special move like if you you play enough like good snare hits and you like it powers up your crash and you get it in there at the right time you do a ton of like area of effect damage yeah I don't know this this already sounds pretty cool and just like comboing with air drums you have to be able to play it on like an old fucking rock band drum kit. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just- I don't know if you need it, but, like, you need the option. How Okay, how are you thinking you, you like, map this to a controller but, then? But the, the problem is, how do you how do you then move? Like, I think- I mean, yeah, that's tricky. I think, yeah, you give, you give people the option of doing it, but they need to work out how the fuck they're going to move, because- <laughs> it's, it's sort of like- this, We this is- release peripherals with thumbsticks on your drumsticks. Aha, it even rhymes. It's got a great tagline. Thumbsticks on your drumsticks. <laughs> and that you just 
slot the um you slot the the drumstick that you're using into the thumbstick oh, and yeah, therefore it's got like a little it's a, like a little bass thing yeah yeah that you put your drumstick okay i love in. that They're, it's there like a, it's like a um, it's like a nunchuck put a drum kit uh drumstick into however yeah. that isn't the main way that you have to play the like that's the fun way to play and that's the that's the recommended way but you yeah. can also just get a normal controller and then you know it's all about just hitting the same sort of thing on your thumbstick uh, on the, with your thumb. On your controller. The thing is you have to use but you like suck. Your bump- <laughs> you'd have to use your bumpers or something because like you need to be you need to have the two-handed thing going on. Right, cuz it's too hard to do like a good beat just all on one thumb or finger. Okay. So you, you can then be going <laughs> Yeah, just keep a good like simple 4/4 four, four beat going. Totally. Tapping here, then you can, you know, you, you got your snare hit and you can sort of get a drum add that roll in. going. <laughs> Just like a huge. Um, you, to, you always have to drum roll before firing off your ultimate. Just to build the tension. <laughs> but, you know, obviously you can get some pretty cool combos later on that you, you're using the, the other toms in your kit and all that oh, sort yeah. of stuff to get a, a massive sort of drum roll sort of happening. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so who has actually stolen um, the original drum? Yeah, good question. Who's against rhythm? (laughs) Uh, Or percussion? Ooh, I I have a feeling, and this is is a big thing coming from a bass player, Mm -hmm. but it is a bass player who doesn't doesn't like the fact- Don't want to share- well, they, do, the they don't want to. They don't want to share the rhythm section. They've always got to sort of m- meld between, you know, the drums and, and the guitars, and they're so sick and tired of doing that. So they just wanted to. They're like, I can keep time, and you know, so they they use their um. Thing is, yeah. this guy was a shit bass player, so <laughs> that's why he, you know he's used his his knowledge of of time to sort of go back and steal the first drum and stop drums from ever coming into existence. Sorry, I just love the idea that he's like, he's a bad bass player who can't keep time, so he's like, can time travel, though? Yeah. Um, Is it it as a direct result of him not being able to keep time? I think because his mind is in too many different, like, (laughs) too many realities sort of thing that um, his- his sense of rhythm is actually gone. Yeah. And it's from being corrupted in the time stream or something like that. Right, right, okay. Ooh, so then then it makes me wonder whether, you know, the fact that your your character has gone back in time has now actually you get you get the rhythm. Maybe you can when you travel back, like you've all of a sudden lost some of that rhythm that you had at the start. Well, yeah, maybe in I, the final I, scene, so so that's like so then else? we're opening up for the for the sequel basically, <laughs> where you're now going through time trying to trying to figure out how to get back your mojo effectively. Right. Well, yeah, we could do that. What I, what I was kind of liking the idea of is that the villain is essentially someone who was the equivalent of Bill and Ted and has been traveling through time to try to get better at playing music. But by doing so has actually like, because they've been in so many different times, they're like, yeah, their, their rhythm is split across so many different time, um, space time continuums that they actually can no longer physically keep time as a bass player. And so have ruined their chances to do so. And so, yes, now they're like, like they hate drummers because it just reminds them. Of their own ability to keep time. Yeah. And so, yes, I like then that idea that I think, I don't think that takes place. I don't think that takes effect right away. I think when you get back there, you are trying to remember because drums have been wiped from the time stream. So like Mm. you're sort of having to find them again through this, through this journey. But yes, then at the end, you get back to the present and now your mind has been altered enough that you're not as, you're not a good drummer anymore. All the all the minions and stuff that you're beating along the way yeah. are these time remnants of the bass player. So basically, all the all the people that you're you're defeating are just different versions of the bass player. They're all the bass player. Uh, I mean, as long as we can figure out enough variety. Yeah, and basically they've been warped through time and all this sort of stuff. And you know, you can see one guy who's sort of you know. A bit beefier, and then you see, you know, the really scrawny guy and all this sort of stuff. And it turns out that it's all just different time periods of the same guy. And right. you defeating them all has, you know, sort of brought brought them all back into the main base like, player. It's kind of like, like Jet Li's the one. Yeah, where, it, like, it, or Highlander sort of thing, where yeah. basically he's gradually 
um, all the rhythm that he hasn't had has actually, by you defeating all these other people <laughs> on the way, you've basically given him his rhythm back. Which makes the final boss very- Bass versus like, drum. More difficult. Drum and yeah. bass. <laughs> <laughs> they realise we should just work together. This is like a whole genre in itself. Well, that's the thing. Like, it could actually- It could end up being that the final fight is sort of like a massive jam session where you're gradually trying to win over this guy to- Yeah, to just realise, oh, wait, And you just start can, jamming can, out, we basically. We actually work well together. We need each other. Yep. Bass needs drums and drums need bass. Then he then he lets the um lets you have the original drum. Right. And then you help reskin it, it and give it back to your ancestor and that's what sends you back in, in time. And it's just like a, a caveman. Ooh. <laughs> hit me hit. Me hit with bone. Make good sound. <laughs> paradiddle. <laughs> Para, paradiddle, paradiddle. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I okay. love this game. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do love that kind of rock lore, just like making up reasons for rock to exist. Yeah. Uh, which Brutal Legend does so well. Oh, such a fun game. Yeah. I, I like the first first part anyway. I didn't didn't care too much for like the banks building yeah, shit that you have to do in the second half. It was, it was a little bit of shame that they went into that, but uh, yeah. Uh, shall we- uh- It was more fun just driving around. <laughs> what do you want to do? Shall we second chance? Second or- chance? Click a pitch? Yeah, I've got to say that um, the episode that I just edited, um, which is two episodes ago, mm. re- made me realise what power this sort of this sort of second chance click pitch can actually have. Yeah. Because that was one of my favourite games of all time that we came up with at which the end of life. Re- which one was it? The Timekeeper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so I actually called the episode off of that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. The Order of the Fourth Hand. <laughs> that's right. That was great. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are going to do some second chance click pitch. And this is where we go back to one of our old episodes from approximately four years ago. And uh, we look at the prompts that we had then and we repurpose them. We give them a second chance and we make a new game based off the same prompts. Uh, so, I think today, Trevor, we're going to jump all the way back to episode nine, released the 4th of February, 2017. Mm-hmm. It was featuring Inga Berman, oh, one of our yep. uh, favorite yep. guests that we've had on. It was a very good episode. Uh, and um, we're going to do it. We're going to choose a few of these. So, we have seven here, seven different uh, prompts. So, I'll have you choose a number between one and seven, and we'll go with that one. Four. Sure. Move. Ambiguity mod. Hmm. So, ambiguity and moving makes me think of, like, having to perhaps guess what someone is doing based on the way they move, like, based on an animation or- um, it also makes me think of like the classic Doctor Who villain that they've brought in, um, like the Weeping Angels. That they kind of move only when you're not looking at them, mm, okay. and so it's it's all about like this whole game is about statues that you're sort of going through and, and sort of searching through this this sort of thing. But then it, then when you turn around, like the That's statues have moved and and shit. So I don't know. There's just something about that that would creep me the fuck out, especially in VR. <laughs> yeah, and then where does mod come in? Are you yourself, maybe you play some sort of, like, handyman. Maybe this is, like, uh, an old building or an old museum or something, and and the things that are moving are, like, oh, maybe maybe it's, like, the hedge, the hedges, like the hedge creatures instead of statues. Yeah. I was actually thinking when you said, when you said museum, I'm thinking- as you're going through this museum and all the, you're sort of, um, you know, m- making making the repairs and modifications to to some of the um, displays to some of the like displays and stuff. Like when you come back, they're moving around. Like they've moved slightly from where you mm. from where you swear that you left them, and it's kind of like a, a night at the museum, but in a horror sort of way. <laughs> yeah. So, it's not quite uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Five um, Nights at the Museum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. 
Maybe we should figure out. Maybe the maybe we should sort of take this backwards and find out like what's actually happening. Is this like an ancient spirit that the museum, you know, in night of the museum style? Is it like a you know ancient pharaoh that is cursed that has awoken? Is it the spirits of the cavemen? Okay, so first things first, dinosaurs. Are we doing this in VR? Uh, I'd say yes. I feel like there's too much like opportunity for horror in VR to say no. Yeah. Okay, so let let's start with the game and see where it takes us, like with the backstory and that sort of stuff. So I like the idea okay. of going through the museum. Um. So is Maybe there someone? This is a different type of museum, rather than just a traditional like ancient history museum. I'm just trying to think of like art gallery. You, then to give you good tasks to do, is this a museum that has like different displays with like animatronics and not to go to Five Nights at Freddy's with the animatronics, but like. Yeah, movie, as soon as you movie. said as soon as you said animatronics, I'm like well, Jesus Christ, not, those things not, are going to come to life. <laughs> yeah, they would. No, maybe not full on animatronics, but just like moving sections or like displays where like you hit the button and the light turns on over here and the voice goes right, like that sort of thing. And so yep. that you've got something to fix. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I also like the idea of you know you've got that sort of room where you've got all the lasers, um, you know, guarding like this big big. Diamond and then you've got- No. Okay. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. It's like, it's the tourist center slash museum for like a town that's been around since the gold rush. And yeah, there's like a giant nugget of gold that was found in the town and that they keep in there. And that's what's heavily protected. Yeah. Uh, And so, all of the displays are just around like- Here's what happened during like the, you you know- (laughs) You hit the the button and you see see the gold- the gold panner, you know, sort of just doing this as, as, as like there's, there's Clunk. a, <laughs> yeah, as there's an, uh, someone saying, and, and the gold panners would, would pick up a little bit of gold and then swish the water around. <laughs> totally. It's basically Sovereign Hill, um, but maybe not like all the reenactment stuff, just like the museum side of it. Um, okay. One thing I do want yeah. is that. Um, at Sovereign Hill, they actually have like a, a trip down into the gold mine sort of thing. Ooh, and that yeah. is one of the things that you have to sort of go down into. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And again, it's got like, you know, because you're like, the hey. only one there and, you know, I think you have like a connection back to like the control room and that sort of stuff. And they sort of say, yeah, we're getting an alert that such and such is. Yeah. Um, that's what I was going to say. It's like, Hey, like, uh, uh, Jim, Jimmy. Yeah, station four in the gold mine tour is, is playing up. Like, can you head down there and, and check it out? Uh, that someone's been reporting, you know, the sound is, is not playing back properly or like the lights are flickering. Um, and yeah, like you head down, but of course, like you lose radio contact because it's underground. Yep. Yeah. Okay. First three nights. So I'm saying that the first three nights, it's all in your head. You basically. Yeah. There is nothing. There's no jump scares. There's no nothing. No, no. Like you make it ominous ish, just in that you are walking through like dimly lit areas. Sometimes things clatter. Sometimes there are sounds because it's just a place where other people are sometimes and other things yep. happening. But there's no, yep. there's no jump scares. But the fourth night is when someone comes to steal the gold nugget. Okay. And- so are we, are we moving away from? Like supernatural sort of stuff. Yeah, I I, I kind of yeah. like the idea that it's it's literally it's just in the sound design. It's just in yeah. like. Well, I like the idea. These are like super uh, skilled cat burglars, essentially. Like it's like a heist going on, but you're on the other side of it. Yeah, and so you do get some of those same horror things of like, did I just see someone dash past that door? But it's just like it's someone in black clothes making very little sound. So yeah. So, you could have a couple of those cat burglars come through in, like, the first and second night that you sort of just see out of the out of the corner of your eye, but they're just casing the joint. They're just- they're not planning on- Well, yeah, maybe you have some- like, maybe this isn't happening strictly at night. Maybe it's just, like- maybe you get, like, the last hour before closing and then, like, the hour or two after closing when you do all your maintenance and stuff. And so, you yep. get some time when there are- 
customers, like when there are visitors there. And so, yes, you've seen these people just come through and looking a bit suspicious, but casing the joint um, and, you know, asking some suspicious questions, perhaps. Uh, and so, you're sort of tense for it. You're almost waiting for it to happen, but you still don't know where they are. You still don't know, you know, what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. And then I think the fifth night, um, you know, after if you've managed to keep your job because- you know, the cat burglars didn't take the, didn't take the golden other. Yeah. Then, then there's like a couple of jump scary sort of things that happen, but it's sort of, you know, just animatronics going a little bit wrong. Right. Yeah. Sort of just adding just a little like bit ramp of ramp that tension up a bit. Just ramp that tension up a bit. But then, you know, it could be like, it could be showing that the story is literally just this guy's weak. I Maybe kind of even like the, the last idea. week that he's actually working there or something like that. Maybe I'm retiring tomorrow, uh, and then he gets killed. No, uh, I kind of like though. I like the idea of almost this like the, that they come back multiple times to after you've foiled them, and you have to foil them in a new way every time. So you know you you're doing your maintenance rounds, and then yeah, you come into the laser room, and there's like smoke everywhere, and you realize what the fuck. Like, and you find you know you turn them off, you find you know a smoke grenade thing there. You're like someone's gotten through here. Um, but you've somehow like you reset the system and alarm goes off and they escape and they don't get the thing or whatever. And then it's like, oh shit, like we foiled an attempt. And so the next night is like beefing up some of your security, but you know, do they sneak in another way? Do they find another, you know, it's sort of this cat and mouse back and forth for a while, you know, even if it's just two or three times until eventually maybe they like confront you or they leave you a note. With like, you know, respect, you're, you know, you're too good or something like you essentially like outsmart them um, yeah. as just this, you know, handyman working at the, at the museum. Um, what I, what I kind of love is you can go into, you know, there are certain things that you know, that's very far away. Like all these things seem to be very far away from the gold nugget. Mm. So I'm going to get them done while there's still people in the park. Yeah. So then, you know, you get it done still within your, within your time. And then you can spend the last little time around the gold nugget, making sure that there's nothing untoward happening there because mm-hmm. a lot of broken things out there isn't usual because you've done this a few times and you know, this could be the night that someone's actually. Yeah. Do you think this is sort of one of these things where it's just. It's very easy to lose and you just replay that night. Like, it's like, okay, yeah. I need a different strategy. Um, and there's sort of, you know, a few ways you can pass the night and prevent them. But yeah, it's more about realizing what's happening and, and doing things in the right order, essentially. Yeah, I do like that. I do like that a lot. Cool. Okay, let's go with another one. Yeah, choose a number. Hmm, two. <laughs> Declaring axe bark. <laughs> so I laugh because this is one of our kind of more memorable games the first time around. Yes, definitely. Uh, Damn we it. played a, a lumberjack who was afraid of trees and had to throw the axes from a distance. Um, <laughs> so this is going to have to be different. Okay. This is going to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, in this world, um, in a whatever, world. in a world <laughs> um, where you God, have, anthro- have anthropomorphic, um, like tools, okay. and basically the axe that you have is your pet dog. So it it basically, as you venture out into into the woods and all that sort of stuff, you've basically got your your okay. your pet dog who's barking along, you know, beside you. But you can also command him to to like to like cut something down, cut or- stuff down, and all that sort of stuff. I'm thinking it's kind of like a survival game mm. where you and your your pet dog slash axe are sort of you know bonding and. And going through trying to scavenge for food and defend yourselves and yeah, so I, okay, I, I like that general idea. Sort of a whimsical little thing where you've got your little axe buddy and it's sort of a you know cartoony kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, do you then though? Because what what kind of intrigued me then was you know different to a usual survival game where it's like oh I need to cut down fucking thirteen trees so I can craft something. It's more like okay, I can tell I can command my pet to go over there and cut down trees while I do a bit more exploring or while I do something else. Then I guess my thought was, do you then build other tools that then come to life? And you're sort of starting to at least like set commands for them throughout the day to, to gather and do things while you're able to then, you know, do the actual crafting or do the actual base building or, or whatever or exploring. Yeah. I, I do. I do like the idea of you, you bringing these things to life. Um, 
I'm just wondering whether, and, you know, tell, tell me if you don't like this, but your last name is Geppetto. And effectively, you know, you've, you've got this toy maker who made it, made his son Pinocchio into, into a boy. And it's just sort of like this power that, that, that the fairy gave him has continued on any tool that he makes sort of comes to life. Okay. So this is like, so this that, is like- that just gives you, gives you your, no, 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 uh, I, like a bit of backstory. Uh, as to- yeah. 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 I guess it's, is this literally Pinocchio's father and like, this is him later in life or is it more just uh, an homage, like a callback that we call this person Geppetto and- Maybe, maybe it's just a, a callback. And the only way that you, you actually find it is, is like you, you go through the, through the, through like the cabin and like in, in one of the coats, there's a wallet and you open up the wallet and it's got like, <laughs> George Geppetto or something like that. <laughs> George Geppetto. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think I think we just do it as a callback uh, because what I was thinking actually it might make sense is that actually you need to find something to imbue them with life. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can just create inert uh, tools essentially, which you would use like in any other survival game. But once you then like find the spark that you need, you can choose to bring one of them to life essentially. And then yep. it's like, okay, now that can sort of work autonomously as I need to. And so that can kind of be part of your strategy. It's like, oh, I really hate like digging the feces trench because why doesn't any survival game have that? Um, <laughs> So I'm going to I'm going to imbue my shovel with life so it can dig my shitholes. Uh, <laughs> and after and out. after it digs the shithole, it stands up and goes, "It's a living." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, <laughs> no, but I kind of like that. Having to sort of find they they become a bit of a rare resource then. Yeah, you know, almost like the green slugs in in Satisfactory or something like that. Like I don't think it's story gated. I think it's just you find them around the place and they're going to help you with your you know automation and, and your your day to day. So so what else is he doing up here? Like obviously there's some story elements that he's gotten yeah. away from from regular life for for a reason. Um. Is it something simple like he's evading capture because of one of his creations went went rogue? Ooh, yeah, that's interesting. Very early on, like in in this process, when when you know he sort of learnt about being able to imbue things with life, he accidentally gave life to a rifle or something like that, and that rifle. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, I like that idea because again, you can sort of explain the world through you know as you go. So, yes, when you get there, I mean, the player just has to take it as given that, oh, there's a an axe, there's a pet, and you can command it to do stuff. Okay. Oh, I can, like, give other things life when I get the right thing. Okay, cool. But, yeah, as it goes, it's like, oh, actually, like, my character is the only person who can do this. Yeah. And, yes, they, like, did something really bad <laughs> where they did, you know, they essentially, like, went too far. They were too ambitious with mm-hmm. some creation. Maybe it is that they did try to create like a human level intelligence in something like a, essentially like a wooden golem, you know, or a Pinocchio. Like maybe yeah. it was a, a boy uh, or a child. They tried to create a child and this, and it just like went insane essentially because the, there's not enough power to create an actual, you know, human yep. soul or whatever uh, and killed a bunch of people <laughs> until they like chopped it up for yep. firewood. So I'm seeing this almost like a, a Stardew Valley sort of thing, but in 3D in mm-hmm. that. In that, you know, you're, you're creating your tools. You can go out and tend to your farm and you, it's all about, you know, making sure that you've got enough food for the winter and all this sort of stuff. Yep. Effectively, you've, you've just arrived when, when it gets started and you've got your, you've got your anthropomorphic axe going around and, you know, yeah, then- I think you start from scratch essentially. You're like, okay, here's a forest. I've got my axe. I'm going to be able to chop got down my a bunch axe of and stuff. a tent, my yeah. axe and a tent. And basically you're now, you know, gradually cutting down. Cutting down trees. Um, you've got enough food to sort of last, you know, maybe two, three weeks. And yeah, then until you start building, you know, traps and other, you know, do, you may have to, you may have to venture into town so you can sort of look, look down, you know, the mountain somewhat and you see, you know, that there's a little town down there. And, but you know, the more that you sort of venture in, you got to try and keep your, keep to yourself. You don't want to give too much <laughs> maybe away. Bring in like an aspect, uh, that, um, don't starve does where your beard grows over time. <laughs> and so depending on how often you go into town with a particular length of beard, they're more likely to recognize you. <laughs> so you have to like, all right, I'm going to go into town. But last time I went in and had a full beard on, I'm going to shave before I go. Cause then they're not going to know who I am. 
Um, uh, no, because I do like that idea of, you know, you are sort of, you're trying to become a recluse essentially um, because you're trying to escape this this horrible past. So, yes, going into town is risky. Yeah. I still like the idea that you do have technology. It's just that on the back of your phone or whatever, there's like a solar a solar panel. So, it's continually, you know, recharging with, with battery power and all that sort of stuff. And so, you get correspondence from like someone from your past and that sort of stuff. They they mm. know that you've you've sort of gotten away and they can sort of just let you know, stay out of the town for the, for the moment. Like, I believe the feds are up around that area. Well, instead or- of- Well- I kind of like it more as the, like, pre-technology sort of thing. But maybe it's like, well, for one, you can- When you do go into town, you can get correspondence. Yeah. Okay, so you got to go to the post office to to get that correspondence. But I do like the idea of getting more regular correspondence from particular people. I think there's, like, a fucking wooden bird that you created that Mm. can, like- that can fly notes to you because there's like one person who was loyal to you or whatever, yep. or who was your, your apprentice or something, uh, back where you came from and they're sending you updates and they're, you know, you can, you can talk back and forth that way. So every few days you might, yeah, you wake up and like the little, the little wooden sparrow or whatever, or pigeon or something. Um, okay. So what are the other things that down? you can do around this area? So you've, you found this sort of secluded wooded area that you're, yeah. that you're trying to, like set up your base in and all this sort of stuff. I think this area is quite big and quite large. Oh yeah. Um not satisfactory style like- size thing, but like No, but I think you're in a you're in the middle of a fairly large wooded area, you know, essentially out in a in an unoccupied area of a large forest. Mm-hmm. Um and then yeah, I think it day but day by day you can just clear whichever sections you want to start building out your stuff. You can build yourself a little cabin. Um you know, in the usual sort of thing, I think you, you know, you have tiered levels of crafting to a certain degree to build some more complicated yep. stuff. Uh, is is there a couple of caves and things like that nearby that you can sort of go through? Is there like- Yeah, I guess we need to decide if there's any sort of combat in that way uh, or just even like defensive stuff. If there's like wildlife or- um- I kind of like the idea of a little bit of hunting stuff so you can mm-hmm. like set up like a trap for some bunnies and- and that sort of stuff, but there's- Well, and again, yeah, definitely, because I like the idea that eventually any of your tools you can, like, Im- imbue with life. So, it's like, oh, this spear now has legs and goes off and stabs things on its own and comes home and puts them in a pile, you know? Um, because because I've had enough of that and, and it's going to be faster. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just these sort of little levels of automation- uh, again, not to like the satisfactory style, you're not automating everything. It's more just like, oh, that task, you know, I'm going to use the, the spark I found to not have to do that anymore. I put some um, legs on a bucket so it could go get the water for itself. Yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> I am picturing a very like Mickey, Mickey in, Mouse sort of, um, um Fantasia. Was, yeah. Style of thing in, in all the tools and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I think, like, this bucket just waddling back, water sort of splashing out. <laughs> can, can they go wrong then? Like, can something happen, or is there like a certain? Or there are, are I can't. There certain- I kind of like the idea that there is like the potential for the the soul transfer or whatever it is to go wrong, mm. and. Like, you wake up one day and the spear's, like, right in your face sort of thing. And it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, you know yeah, well, that you got to, like, I'll put it down. Or- if there's, like, uh, just from a me- gameplay mechanic point of view, you can have a certain amount of act- active sparks, essentially, based on some central thing that you've built that, like, controls them or, or something. And you can upgrade that as you go, as you find, you know, particular resources or something. It's like, oh, now I can have seven. Um, but if you go over that, uh, it's risky. Like, it, it, that they, they might shift or they might not take your control anymore because they go rogue or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of like that idea where it's it's rare enough that it's worth going over the limit sometimes. Like, you start with, like, two. It's like, oh, well, I'll, I'll go with three because I really don't want to have to, like, fish and chop trees and, you know, whatever else carry water. Yeah, I mean, especially if you if you want to go down into the into the village a lot more and, you know, investigate down there, there's still chores that need to be done up in your mm. up in your cabin. Mm. So um, Or just exploring the the area in general. Yeah, like you that's beneficial too. So um yeah, I like that being a risk that you probably want the player to take. Uh but then- You know what I want 
want yeah. to be able to happen later on, you can imbue the cabin with a spark and put <laughs> legs on it, and it can sort of re yes re um, fucking repopulate Baba Yaga house. Yeah, basically move you move you off to a new location uh, to get away. Basically, if if people start start realizing, hang on, there's someone living up in the forest, you can relocate the entire cabin physically. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. <laughs> that's good, but that's risky because that's like a more complicated creature, a more yep. complicated thing, and uh, you don't want it to become intelligent and and do what happened last time. <laughs> last time, <laughs> and I'll then get you next time gadget. And then, towards the end of the game, you break down one of the walls and you find, like, a beating heart there. And you go, oh, my God, this is a living house. <laughs> Call back. Oh, I tried to go high. I really can't go high. <laughs> Call back. There goes your- how many octaves was it? <laughs> four. <laughs> there goes your 24 octave range. <laughs> uh, not right now, that's for sure. Um- uh, should we finish up on a movie? Or okay, yeah, we can we can do a movie. Let's just. Do I was, was going to say quickie. let's finish it up right there, but no, it's okay. I know we'll we're going a, a little bit over, but let's do a movie. Let's do a movie. So we're going to take a uh, movie title, maybe the plot, mm-hmm. uh, and and just make a game based on that. So here we go. You can go first. Okay, sure. Uh, this is not based on the previous game or our living house thing, but it is the movie The House, uh, starring, uh, Will Ferrell and, and Amy Poehler from 2017. Where oh, yeah. They yep. essentially ran, uh, uh, like a casino, a casino from the house. in their house, yes. Okay. I've got the horror movie, The Collection, which is, okay. um, it's the sequel to The Collector. Uh, the, <laughs> okay. the Collector collects victims and then- like, um, he tries to move them to his warehouse and become part of his collection of, of victims. We don't have to take it that way at all. Yeah, we can yeah. just say the collection, um, and it's yeah, a, it's a horror, horror movie or- based on- Yeah. All right. So, up to you which way you want to go. I mean, the collection, like, collecting is such a vital part of so many games. So, I do like the idea of kind of playing off that a bit in some way. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, all I can think of now is some like deranged serial killer who's played too many video games and is going around collecting hearts. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of like the cartoon hearts, they've got the bloody beating. Oh, yeah, they're just taking people's hearts out of their bodies. <laughs> it's just like every time they hurt themselves, it's like, I need a heart. <laughs> I need health. I need health, is, health. health is always HP. determined by, by heart hearts. power. <laughs> <laughs> and he does that that thing from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and he's in whatever. Tears it out of the heart, tears it out of the chest. That's not really a game, though. That's just a very disturbing thought. <laughs> <laughs> which which one are you, are you more leaning toward? Oh, I was leaning towards the collection. I yep. think just because of the the sort of tie into to video game collecting. Yeah. Okay. I kind of like the idea of it being a cutesy sort of game. At the start, mm-hmm. where the start. where you sort of just <laughs> ooh, that's actually kind of a cool idea. Hang on, bear with me okay. a second. Yeah, yeah. So you're a guy following along like this platformer guy who's just going along and collecting all these all these coins and stuff that really weren't his. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so <laughs> sort of seeing it like a Mario esque sort of platformer guy just running along and, and you know, smashing blocks and, and getting getting mushrooms and all this sort of stuff. And it's You're like coming this, into the it's, aftermath. It's the investigator sort of just following along and just finding all the clues to try and find out who who it is who's been stealing all these people's money and <laughs> <laughs> and they prized mushrooms just, and <laughs> this guy just ran through my house, jumped up, smashed through the ceiling where I keep my coins, stole all my coins, <laughs> went out, dug in the garden, ate some mushrooms, and then ran off screaming that his hands were on fire. I <laughs> you gotta catch him. He said something about my plumbing being clogged. <laughs> Oh, he took a giant dump. <laughs> it was. I think he was trying to get in the toilet. I don't know. <laughs> he was just standing in the toilet, just ducking down. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I know. I think I, I've I, just got a good sketch for a sketch comedy group. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of this of this investigator just following along. This guy collecting these random things, and it's basically someone who's sort of in their own world, thinking that they're. Pl- they're playing a video game, but in reality, they're they're stealing all these things from these people. So, is it that we don't tell the player right away, 
and don't make it clear. Like the first few cases, you don't even know. And finally, you get to like the third or fourth case and you start making this connection <laughs> that this person thinks they're Mario or whatever, like that they're in a platformer. <laughs> you come across this kid and he goes, this guy came in, he was dressed in these red overalls. He put my turtle on the ground and just stomped on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't know. Right, you- I think we're going to end it there. I think that's enough. That's a fun idea. <laughs> Yeah. Like, all right. <laughs> I think we're going to end it there. Oh, boy. If you want to find us online, you can go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm. I can't stop doing the voice. Uh, podchaser.com slash bitstorm. Go there. Find all, our, all of our previous episodes and, and uh, leave us a review. We would really, really appreciate some some reviews, some feedback. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And finally, we'd like to thank Kuradas for the use of the song Map Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. That's right. So, thank you again for joining us this week on BitStorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Travis Scott. And in a world where my voice sounds like this, I can't stop doing it. (laughs) In a world where numbers don't exist and the original drum has gone missing. (laughs) In a world where numbers don't exist, we won't know how much this movie makes. So, we don't care if you watch it or not. That's why it's now for free on HBO Max.